Hello and welcome to the Daily Lawyer podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today is yet another episode in our Careers in the Law series. And today we are going to be speaking about ADR law, litigation, practice. ADR is alternate dispute resolution. So everything from arbitration, conciliation, negotiation, mediation comes under the gamut of ADR. We have with us my dear, dear friend, Shreya Luke, who is a litigation lawyer and an arbitration expert. I can attest to that because that is how I met Shreya. And uh, I was a legal counsel and she was the um, external associate on that matter. It was a big arbitration matter for us. And uh, that's how we met. We worked together closely for many years. And uh, now we are great friends. Uh, Shreya is not just a lawyer in the sense of litigation lawyer and an area practitioner, but she's also a Reiki practitioner. She is a, a licensed yoga instructor. She's also very passionate about uh, development of women and children and works with an NGO, especially in the area of uh, empowerment and development of girl children. And uh, she's a, she does a lot of good work in the area of Posh. She's also a, a corporate legal trainer. She does that. So she does so many things. And most importantly, she's a great friend who knows when to give you the push when you need it. And I'm so happy that she's here today. Shreya, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, Jenna. I have so many things to talk to you, but Essentially, this podcast, we're going to speak to young lawyers or law students who want to get into or who want to be a litigation lawyer or an ADR lawyer, but not a counsel, not from a counsel perspective, just a legal perspective. So before we get into that, can you tell us why did you do law and your whole journey from being a law student to where you are today? All right. So I decided on law uh, pretty early, I think. Uh, I think it was about like class 11. And a friend back then was working with a public prosecutor. And uh, the stories that he brought back from his chamber were, I think, my first source of inspiration. Um, second, for those who know me already, I've always enjoyed interacting uh, with people. And this profession ensures... Uh, that you are always interacting with people, not just from particular background, but from varied, you know, backgrounds and sectors. So that is something that has always pulled me towards the profession. I did my law at Amity IP, followed by a lot of internships to explore different areas and sectors. I was a very curious uh, student and uh, I ruled out on criminal and corporate law pretty early uh, in my pretty early years of my law school and then uh, focused on disputes as my uh, area of practice and I think that primarily came from the thrill of you know going to courts and uh, briefing senior counsel and the kind of knowledge uh, and the kind of exposure that you have when you're meeting different seniors who are uh, you know appearing in appearing as well as specialized in different niches uh, the kind of exposure you get that really really pushed me towards disputes and with the passing years I developed keen interest in arbitration and commercial litigation uh, which is what my uh, core area of practice is now I practiced uh, with uh, Tully and Co for about six years in the disputes team and now I'm at JSA again at a disputes team 
which focuses on commercial litigation and arbitration. You know, Shreya, you are the first guest on our podcast who has actually said that I decided to do law very early because most of us, me included, we came into law by the process of elimination. Like we didn't want to do engineering. We didn't want to do medicine. We obviously didn't want to get a BSc or do something like that. And then, you know, most of the people who've been on the podcast so far have come to uh, law by the process of elimination. You're the first one who had a very thought out, like clear plan. Then you did all these different internships. And there's a brilliant answer, especially for young law students. Uh, because now everybody wants to do all the fancy things that right? they want to do um, laws relating to NFT and metaverse and all that. So uh, I don't know how you decided to rule out, uh, you know, corporate law, because that was like the trending thing. Everybody wanted to get into corporate and securities law. So I don't know why you decided to rule out corporate law. But before I ask you that question, I just want to, uh, for those who don't know, or do don't have a background, can you just tell them what does litigation, what does a litigation lawyer do? Or sure, what I does think... a disputes lawyer do? And then we'll... Sure. So uh, briefly speaking, litigation is the formal adversarial court system for resolution of disputes. So that entails going to a court. Uh, there are several forums. Uh, there are different uh, uh, tribunals and commissions in India. So essentially, uh, you're before the courts, as opposed to your arbitration, which is uh, an alternative dispute resolution practice. And it has gained traction, particularly in the last couple of decades. Now, arbitration is a contract-based binding form of dispute resolution. And there are different kinds of arbitration as well. So you have ad hoc arbitration where parties are responsible for appointment of arbitrators, for conduct of the proceedings, as well as determination of the award. And then you have uh, something which is gaining popularity now in India. It has, of course, been globally recognized. Institutional arbitrations where um, there are different institutions that can be appointed for administrating the entire proceeding, the arbitration proceedings. So like, for example, we have the International Arbitration and Mediation Center in Hyderabad. We have the Indian Council of Arbitration. We have Mumbai Center. We similarly have a Delhi Center. Then there's LCIA, so on and so forth. But uh, what does uh, an arbitration lawyer do or a mediation lawyer or a litigation lawyer do? Like, What does the lawyer's role in this chain? Because so far we've spoken to councils. And I think we, we've sort of given an idea of what a council does. But what does someone like you do? So as a litigation lawyer who's practicing uh, with a law firm, in the initial years, your role is more of that, of that of a briefing counsel. So you will be briefing either a senior uh, advocate or a senior lawyer who presents your case before the court. But uh, your re role is... Uh, sort of in the initial years uh, confined to strategy, client management, research, presenting the case in the best manner that you can. Um, when it comes to, there are some firms now in India, and this is gaining popularity, that even litigation lawyers and firms, they are arguing matters themselves. So the whole uh, uh, practice of appointing a senior or appointing a counsel to present your case before a court 
that is slowly being eliminated of course it cannot be entirely eliminated but for smaller matters of course you can i hope that answers your question yeah it does it answers it beautifully because uh, for lawyers who want to get into litigation or want to try uh, adr and adr is really becoming a buzzword today with mediation getting a lot of traction and you're seeing like you said institu- institutional arbitration i think mediation institu- institutions have also been established now and people really want to go into mediation and stuff like that so um, i have been asked a question by uh, a couple of first year lawyers actually to uh, get an adr lawyer on the podcast because they really want to know what what you know they are quite enamored by this adr universe so they want to know um, what a lawyer does and you've answered that but uh, if you are to if you are speaking to somebody like them who are in the first year law and they you know they want to know all of these different uh, law streams what would you say uh, would make a good litigation lawyer or a good arbitration lawyer and is there a difference in the kind of skill sets or the approach that you need for both of these um, both of these fields so i think overall for both streams i would say staying on top of the legal landscape uh, being thorough with uh what the matter is what the law is what is and law is also so vast and it's always changing so staying on top of that helps in both you know be it adr be it litigation or be it any other practice area but specifically just to answer your question when it comes to adr um adr involves your arbitration conciliation mediation now just to give it give a very brief background arbitration conciliation is primarily governed by the arbitration and conciliation act so uh, and now there is also a mediation bill which is pending so the kind of the the conduct of the proceedings when it comes to arbitration is governed by the act itself and uh, uh, the uh, it just like the cpc or the commercial courts act which deals with your commercial litigation or litigation as such the act lays out the entire procedure to be followed from the you know from the drafting of the pleadings to the filing of the pleadings to the filing of evidence uh, the kind of arbitrators that can be appointed the kind of arbitrators that cannot be appointed the uh, mechanism to be followed the timelines the sector so it is a streamlined process and yes adr has gained a lot of traction in in india both uh, a legislative framework wise as well as judicial precedents are aiming to promote adr not only as an alternative anymore but as the preferred mode and that is because uh, the entire adversarial court system is extremely overburdened and there is a high level of pendency so now we are seeing the global community leaning towards uh, adr and because and that is because that they have reaped benefits of adr both for containment of disputes as well as quick resolution so the only skill set i would say uh, in addition to what you require for litigation and that one must focus on because mediation is becoming mediation and conciliation are becoming the next big things after arbitration is your negotiation skill which is something which we are not actively taught um, at a law school level um why during my law school day, days as well we had moot courts etc which were again on the adversarial system of law rather than the negotiation building uh, aiming to build your negotiation skills so that is something that one must focus on for adr in addition to everything else 
uh, do you think for an ADR lawyer or uh, or a young lawyer aiming to get into ADR, do you think uh, he can or he or she can do it? You know, can you have only a career in ADR with no litigation sort of background or internships or experience? Or you think having a, a base in litigation for a couple of years or uh, doing multiple internships with a counsel in the courts is better? And then you get into ADR specifically. So I believe uh, you don't need to necessarily have litigation experience per se in order to pursue a career in arbitration or in conciliation, negotiation, and basically to practice ADR modes. However, having said that, uh, working with a senior is always beneficial because the, the way you present your case, that skill set, uh, and you also need a mentor in your formative years. So council practice is definitely a wonderful uh, idea. And a lot of councils, are now also actively doing arbitration. So, of course, definitely having that base um, of litigation and um, ADR while working with the council, it gives you a good standing to grow in your practice once you completely decide to move to arbitration, if you do. I want to now go back to this. You, you said that you tried so many internships and then you ruled out corporate law. So, uh, first of all, why did you rule out corporate law? And then I'll ask you the next question that's connected to that. Um, I think it was a comparative for me always. Because uh, I think it's at the end of the day, it, it whatever you do, no matter what you do, you should be passionate about. And I simply wasn't passionate about uh, um, uh, general corporate. And my uh, corporate internships were really limited to general corporate. And that's something that I found not suitable for myself. You know, because when we were, the general sort of tendency or the general idea that we had when we were studying or looking for jobs was that corporate jobs pay you more. And it was like that. Corporate jobs would pay you more. In a corporate uh, law firm, you are getting far more than if you get into a litigation law firm. So do you think there is a pay disparity in both today also? At some point, it gets evened out, I think. But do you think there is a pay disparity between in if you are a litigation lawyer or if you are an ADR lawyer versus if you want to get into like a corporate securities and all those non-litigation uh, law streams? So I think uh, with the kind of firms that I worked with, um, there isn't uh, pay. I haven't seen pay disparity at all. Uh, but definitely, overall, if you see, if you start, there's definitely pay disparity if you choose to do litigation under a council, and if you choose to do litigation uh, in a firm. But within a firm system, I haven't really seen disparity in litigation and corporate lawyers or if you choose to do uh, a litigate uh, if you choose to practice litigation in only a litigation firm versus someone who you know goes to a bigger sort of firm or a, or a core corporate firm they may not be one of the big firms but more boutique firms corporate do you think there is a pay disparity and you know yes yes i believe there is and um, I think uh, it's that kind of stems from the uh, that kind of depends from firm to firm and the kind of work that they're doing, the kind of clients that they have, etc. So 
so that is that kind of disparity may continue even in the longer run yeah but then uh, if you want to advise young lawyers or young law students Correct. how would you how would you ask them to look at this pay disparity versus the kind of practice uh, that they like what would you advise them to focus on when they are choosing their stream of law or uh, when they are looking at possible career options so personally for me uh, speaking personally i would for me money was not the driving force and i don't think if it is not a constraint it should be uh i think in your formative years the focus should be on learning as much as you can because uh the first couple of years really lay the foundation for the kind of lawyer you are going to be and it's always i would say it's better to choose a boutique firm where the responsibility on a young lawyer is way more than as compared to a a0 level at a bigger firm so that it gives you that exposure uh in early days and of course from then on doors will open and the money will come so i think that's my advice to young lawyers to not just focus on the money aspect right at the beginning if you can that's brilliant advice and i actually will say the same thing Uh, if anyone asks me or whoever has asked me i i've said the same thing shreya you've and i know for a fact that you've handled uh, a, a variety of clients from government agencies to uh, corporates to big corporates small corporates and everyday uh, you know individuals as well in the, the whole gamut in your experience with all of these people what do you think are the common mistakes that people make in their lives or in their businesses um that with a few, with just some basic legal knowledge of with a few simple uh tweaks you know they can save a lot of time money effort distress down the road so i think this i always say to all my clients that nothing is more expensive than a cheap lawyer and uh i think a lot of times what i've noticed is that a bit uh, big firms or companies uh at some level we're constantly trying to uh you know because of budgets cut costs etc but it's very important to get a good attorney on board right from the beginning not once the dispute has arisen but also to advise you before a dispute you know kind of arises so as and when you feel there is a potential dispute it's very important to engage someone for containment of that dispute and that i say both from a legal perspective as well as from a business perspective so that is one thing that i would say that companies or any client should look at and um, apart from that it's also important to engage uh, lawyers uh, based on their expertise so so a lot of times what companies do is that they usually go with one law firm for all you know sort of areas of law but that may not be uh that may not be uh, viable so it's very important to pick a lawyer who is an expert in the area of dispute so that you can get the best uh sort of support so that you do not end up because of course both uh, legal battles are of course long drawn in india 
and you end up leaving a lot of money so arresting the dispute right at the beginning containment of the dispute that is something companies should spend money on and also with the different companies and uh, different organizations uh, what i have noticed is and this i always joke around with my clients is that nothing is more expensive than a cheap lawyer so getting the right legal advice at the right time makes a big difference um it's also important as a lawyer to not only uh, you know uh, push your clients to dis- to you know pursue a dispute wherever there is a possible possibility of a settlement or the possibility of containment of a dispute then as a lawyer it is your responsibility to ensure that that cause is being recommended and uh, the third thing is that uh, i understand that of course budgets can become a concern but please have a lawyer on board uh, who is going to advise you correctly uh taking into consideration not just legal aspect but also the practical aspects of your business because as a global community and as a business community uh a lot of times just making decisions legally is not helpful the practical aspects need to be looked into uh, in the long run of course you know as a legal counsel and i know we have had this discussion many times uh, and i have told you that uh, this is a big frustration it was a big frustration for me because it was initially difficult for me to transition from being a litigation lawyer being a like uh, a lawyer in a firm having no background in business to becoming a legal counsel and then understanding that we cannot only look at the law but we also have to look at the business side of things uh so i i completely understand and i i know that i got that from you uh, when we worked together but there's something else that you told me earlier which i found also very interesting in as in this you know with answer to this question when you said that you know please don't go to one lawyer for everything like you you said that uh, firms usually tend to go to one, you know companies tend to go to one law firm for all their problems whereas like if i have a toothache uh, even my 5 year old daughter will know that we should not go to an ent you know we have to go to a dentist but when it comes to law people don't realize that there are so many specializations for everything you know we'll come to you for matrimonial matters and we will come to you for aviation law and we will come to you for uh, general contract work you know so i really think that was a very important point you made uh, in your answer so i think there are firms like for example jsa it's a full service law firm where you know that you can they can cater to disputes they can cater to your uh, securities you can they can cater to your mnas so choosing a, a full service law firm all is kind of a solution to that problem because one it's ensuring quality of work because across the board no matter what team is handling your matter you know uh the kind of quality of work will be standard across the board and second they are not keen on uh, uh that one team handling all your matters because different areas of dispute require different kind of specialization and there are so many niches so a full service law firm of course is a great idea to have on board for any company yeah that is a uh, that is actually a useful solution now 
if you have to say like to just sum up this whole section on the law before we speak about the next section which is on career breaks and that's something i really want to talk to you about uh, what do you think is lacking in the legal industry today and just from a from a perspective of uh, people who are in the getting into the industry and they are going to grow in this industry how do you think we can all contribute to that as well like contribute positively to that as well so i think what is lacking today is one infrastructure um to some ex- extent the kind of training that we are getting at law schools uh, that also needs to change and evolve uh keep it in keeping with the legal landscape so for example if adr is the next big thing and um adr is now actually becoming a preferred mode of dispute resolution than the kind of skill set that you need to have for adr which is your negotiation skills and and your uh, uh, you know uh, even drafting specific settlement agreements or negotiation agreements conciliation agreements etc those kind of that kind of training at a law school level becomes very relevant then secondly of course infrastructure is overall lacking when it comes to the legal system today which is on the adversarial side which is also one reason why adr is becoming the preferred mode because it's easily administered and you actually seeing a dispute uh, you know end to end whereas when it comes to the court system um uh, there's heavy pendency um uh, there's a lack of uh, you know um uh, lack of expertise to some extent when it comes to like now with the commercial courts act being in place there are of course uh, you know special courts being established uh, with judges uh, being appointed who have that knowledge and that commercial background to in order to deal with commercial matters altogether that commercial understanding but overall that was lacking earlier and of course in keeping with the uh, times you know post pandemic the importance the re- importance of recognizing how technology can play a big role in administrating justice in the entire legal system that is something which is lacking today but yes i see a lot of initiatives being taken by the government today to to kind of uh, uh, filling for that lacuna and i think i hope in the uh, years to come we will see technology being used more and more to administer justice which can of course uh, really help in uh, smoothing the entire process so i think it's a good answer that you gave because you've like covered everything and i think for anyone who wants to contribute in this they'll have lot of a uh, lot of ways that they can find in your answer to contribute okay so now uh, i want to move to another section of our podcast which is basically taking career breaks and uh, i know you took career you took a career break and it is inspiring to talk about that because somewhere the general narrative is that you know you you get in you you work your head off and you you have to everybody has to work very hard at least in this profession and then you know some at some point you end up either uh, burning out or you i don't know you you have to focus completely on the profession and sometimes you don't end up focusing on your personal life or then some other things go for a toss so uh, taking the decision uh, to take a career break or to take a sabbatical is quite brave because it sort of 
you know you have to put your life on hold there are there are uncertainties you don't know whether you're going to get back to this you don't know how your life is going to pan out after that you don't know whether the job is still there for you or not or you'll get it get another job at the same level because you know your trajectory is broken that way so uh, first of all how did you think of taking a career break and uh, what did you learn in that process okay so i think uh, yes sabbaticals are far from common in india and i think that is the reason why it took so long to take one because uh, every time i wanted to take a sabbatical you know um, there was some form of discourage- discouragement either from my inner circle or otherwise and the general narrative that people promote is that little or no break that's the usual norm and it's been kind of handed down from generation to generation and it kind of continues right so what our seniors seniors were doing our seniors did and what our seniors are doing we will do and what we are doing our juniors will do so that kind of continues and i feel that the other factor that i've noticed is the gripping fear of being ousted from the system altogether you know be it your face time before the courts or time away from you know your your law firm and as the millennials will call it the uh fomo which is fear of missing out so i understand people have constraints and there is you know the fear factor playing in the background but if you are someone who can fit in a break then you must and um, although my sabbatical i mean i'd been thinking about a sabbatical for a long time but it was because of a personal reason that i decided to go on a sabbatical and based on my personal experience i can say that it can leave you feeling extremely energized um one thing i that i would really like to add here is that there are more and more law firms today who are adapting to the sabbatical culture recognizing the importance of breaks and recognizing that that the profession can be overwhelming and can is a high stress profession so breaks can really uh, be helpful i'm now at jsa uh, like i said and they promote a very healthy work environment and they in fact do have a policy for sabbaticals so so there are more forms like that and it is something that is being recognized now shreya how do you like for a person who's decided to take a sabbatical and if how uh you know most people are scared of asking i mean i know in jsa you have a uh, a uh, like a process or a provision for sabbatical and i'm sure there's a there's a way that they also there's you know how how to come back from a sabbatical also will be provided but most places don't have something like that so for a person who has taken a sabbatical uh, and wants to come back one of the things that i personally also find difficult is to ask you know like to ask what you think you are worth or you ask what you think you want so what are some of the things that you did to make sure that you get what you think is worth uh, what you think you're worth or what what you think is valuable how did you uh, get back how did you ask for uh, you know uh, negotiate your terms when you got back so i think firstly to answer the first part of the question it's extremely important to know your worth and i think that comes from being confident of who you are at, at any given point of time the other aspect is asking for what you know asking for a sabbatical or asking for for anything for that matter we don't ask sometimes simply out of you know be, probably being polite or uh, i think india also tends to have a very people pleasing culture when it comes to some 
workplaces uh, so in that respect i would say that it's very important to ask because sometimes you simply don't know what the other person is going to say and it's just out of the fear of being uh, of hearing a no or of not wanting to negotiate that we don't ask so of course while you do all of this you have to ensure reasonable like you have to be reasonable and patient but uh, i would of course recommend asking what you think and speaking your mind and when it comes to uh, coming back to the profession i think i always knew that i wanted to come back um while you are away of course you should not be completely cut out from the system altogether so there are many ways that you maybe you're not actively practicing maybe you're not going to court or you're not sitting in arbitrations and you know all day to day legal activities but um you you can still be out there doing something related to law right you can be writing you can be publishing you can be doing something that you're still staying on top of things and you're still in the market very much so so that would help you come back and negotiate your terms and i guess uh, recruiters can be of great help as well yeah i think the last part is also true i think uh, many people don't actually take help from recruiters at least people i know have not taken help from recruiters uh, as a one thing that i wanted to ask you uh, because you have had uh, a wide variety of experience across See, bigger yeah, firms this will be shorter longer no no it's fine let me know yeah yeah no no it's fine yeah. Okay. one thing i wanted to ask you is as a lady lawyer have you ever faced any kind of pay disparity um and so, and what and uh, whatever else you want to speak about pay disparity so i think uh, yes overall in the profession there may be disparity there is disparity let's face it there are biases and there are stereotypes however personally speaking i have always you know i've been with firms and uh, at tulian company there was no disparity and now i'm at gsa and the disputes team i'm currently working with promotes equal participation in pay so i've been fortunate in that regard and i haven't faced anything of that nature but overall for people who are facing disparity which i am sure they are um in the profession I would say that don't let it get to you and keep working hard because hard work is going to pay off um definitely and for those working in firms if if they feel that there is disparity that they are facing then there are workplaces there are firms there are teams which have very healthy work environment and are completely uh you know uh they completely do not support in fact they discourage disparity so it's important to know that there are options and that you can always break out of where you are and uh, aspire for something bigger i think you've answered uh, so many different questions of mine in one question so they are just to sum up this entire uh, segment on sabbatical uh, for someone who's on the fence who wants to take a sabbatical but is still not sure or still not having the courage to actually take the step what are some of the tips or what are some of the things that you want to tell such a person on uh, to help them decide whether they should take a sabbatical or not 
Okay. So, um, I think the fear aspect, I would say talk to someone who's taken a sabbatical. Actually, talk to more than one person who's taken a sabbatical because there are plenty of people who have taken sabbaticals and they can definitely guide you and definitely, um, you know, sound you of the do's and don'ts on a sabbatical, so to say, and also motivate you to take one because um, that always helps. Like hearing someone's uh, story is always uh, um, helpful. And uh, once you do decide to take a sabbatical, I recommend that you plan it well in advance. Decide how long is it viable for you to be away, both in terms of uh, the, the workspace you are in or the sector that you're in. Then the third aspect, because of which a lot of people I personally know don't take a sabbatical, planning finances is so important because you don't want to be under pressure while you're on your sabbatical. So plan your finances well in advance as soon as you uh, decide to take a sabbatical. And I would say um, in relation to re-entering the workforce, while you're away, it's important to not cut out the system completely, stay on top of changing legal landscape. And if you have a client-facing job or where if you're an independent counsel or if you are uh, in, even in a law firm where you have a client-facing role, then updating your clients and staying in touch is also very, very important. I want to just break down your answer a little bit because uh, there are a lot of useful nuggets of information there. So when you say that uh, plan uh, your finances or plan for your sabbatical, uh, in terms of a realistic timeline, uh, how much time did, what was your story? Because I agree that speaking to someone who's, take, who's taken a sabbatical makes a huge difference. Uh, and gives you the confidence also to actually take the step. But to, to make it more specific, how long uh, did you start, uh, you know, you, how much time did it take for you to actually start from the start of the planning to the time that you actually, uh, you know, this is my day one of sabbatical from the, then? Um, for anyone who knows me already, they know I'm quite a planner. <laughs> So I think I planned my sabbatical for good six months. I mean, I, it, 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 has, it was something that was on my mind on and off. And I always knew that despite the usual narrative of not taking a sabbatical, I always knew I will take a sabbatical at some point in my life. So financially, I was always planning for a sabbatical. Um, when it comes to making the decision, it took me about three months to decide. And then, of course, the most uh, firms have a... Uh, fairly decent uh, uh, notice period so that gave me another you know three months to uh, plan for my sabbatical so about overall six months so when you said plan for you you mean like what are you going to do in those two three four five six months How yeah. you, you took six months off I took about seven months off huh. so what what will you actually do in those seven months and then planning yeah. your travels or your uh... planning your travel or if there's a skill that you want to build um, be it related to law be it not related to law you may want to take a short course somewhere abroad or in India so planning those things are important uh, as well so that you don't waste any time <laughs> yeah I know and I really liked what you said about financial planning as well because uh, that is something nobody really speaks about so much we don't we somehow don't speak about finances at all in uh, our everyday conversations so how did you uh, plan your like how did you plan your finances did you have a every every month your salary will come and you have an account that you put away uh, which you don't touch for anything was it something yes. like that yes 
or you or, and then you would invest from that account or it would just keep growing um both actually but uh, like i said i'm a planner so for me i had a sabbatical account <laughs> for everyone who's on the fence she has given you very actionable points including telling you how to plan your finances so uh, please do listen to this part if not anything else in the episode listen to this if you want to know uh, how to real and i have been i've i've i think i have spoken to her before she took the sabbatical i have kept speaking to her during her sabbatical and then also when she came back so i know for a fact that she did it in a very uh, practical and uh, very thought out manner very organized and she didn't have any hiccups here and there saying that i don't know what i'm going to do i'm just sitting around wasting my time and things like that so uh, you should definitely speak to her i think we uh, if you want to know what to do so now we are coming to the last segment okay absolutely last segment of our podcast and this is just a fun thing to get to know, not only know you better but also uh, for everybody else to get uh, some sort of actionable tips from you so the first thing i want to ask you so it's called 5 4 3 2 1 like i have 5 of something 4 of something 3 of something like that so five uh, productivity tips uh, that you have learned or it can be apps it can be software it can be anything that has helped you so i think discipline is for me is the most important uh, that's one starting the day by uh, doing something that you love it gives you you know a sense of achievement and for me it sets the tone for my entire day so it can be something as small as a 5 minute meditation brewing your own coffee and sipping it in peace um reading the newspaper or a chapter of a book that you like or a sport that you like to play so for me that's very important uh then planning your calendar you know be it your daily work task task list or holidays i say this because you know uh, lawyers are constantly juggling different matters engagements uh, and most often i find people in my profession complaining about lack of personal time so i guess planning is key again planning your ca- calendar properly really helps and uh, now coming specifically to law what i would say is uh, knowledge development so law is of course vast and even if you're you know practicing in a niche area the law is constantly changing it's evolving be it legislative framework or precedent wise so i recommend spending time on a weekly basis if not daily to upgrade your knowledge because we're constantly learning every day and i guess that is not changing or stopping for anyone in the profession uh fifth i would say this is very some this is something that i really enjoy doing which is you know write and publish be it articles contributions to columns papers whatever it is choose a area of law in which you would like to specialize or you specialize in already that kind of gives you uh, you know in time to gain in depth knowledge of that area and also reach out to people because there are so many areas of law and uh, reading uh, all lawyers love reading so i think re- publishing and reaching out to people that is something i is i really enjoy doing I'm so happy that you said reading last because that's the perfect segue into the next question, which is uh, four books that you'd recommend. Um, four books that I would recommend is uh, one is Ikagai. It this book basically uh, talks about finding your life purpose. So finding something that inspires you to get out of bed every day without complaining, and it's very important to find that purpose. 
because for me uh, personally it's very important to enjoy and be passionate about what i'm doing uh be it law be it anything else so that is one uh then of course the monk who sold his ferrari for understanding how balance is key because life is beyond our uh, so to say professional identity and we tend to lose sight of that very often um there's another very interesting book that i read recently which is uh, called maybe you should talk to someone it's uh, it's like a book written by a therapist uh, on accounts of you know her different uh, clients and uh, patients basically and i'm someone who's all for mental health and law as a profession can be high pressure and mental health needs to also be treated at par with physical ailments and that's something that law firms are starting to do now do now but i'm not sure how uh, how much that is being adapted overall in the profession you know in say counsel practice or other aspects of law so that is that is the book that i recommend everyone reads and more recently um, i've started reading some scriptures so currently i'm reading the yoga sutra of patanjali and i know that scriptures can be heavy and they may not be you know everyone's cup of tea but i assure you that scriptures carry valuable and you know expansive knowledge that one can apply on a day to day basis of how to be in life so those are the the yeah and i agree with all of your four recommendations i'm actually currently reading ikigai but the others all all the other three i think i've read no, yoga sutra patanjali i haven't read but uh, i'm now i'm uh, getting into yoga and i'm reading that vks ayengar's book on asanas and well, there is nothing to read you just look look at that book to make sure that you're doing the asana properly but uh, yeah now three tips uh, that you have for practical tips that you will have for young lawyers you've given multiple during the course of our conversation but uh, if you just have to give three tips for young lawyers or law students or literally anyone in the profession okay so for i think for young uh, law students and graduates uh, when it comes to uh, education i would say um, choose choose the college that you go to choose your trajectory carefully be mindful of what you're choosing don't just follow the trend uh, because sometimes just following the trend doesn't get you where you're meant to be so explore explore and make your own decisions through your own experiences that is one uh second i would say work hard because there is no substitute for working hard and third i would say is that the profession um can be overwhelming at times uh, it is voluminous definitely so um take time out for yourself be it while you're studying or be it while you're pursuing your career as a counsel or as a lawyer so there has to be balance and that's for everyone actually not just students yeah i agree now uh two life lessons that you've learned so far okay um i would say and i'll of course keep it restricted to law uh no it's okay you can say even if it's not restricted law it's okay it's fine so the profession takes time to build but doors do open up sooner or later so patience is key be patient keep working hard 
and once things start working out don't become complacent uh consistency is equally important because with the great uh, you know success also comes great responsibility and accountability so consistency in that aspect is extremely vital that's such a beautiful advice actually both of the things that you said is uh, it's applicable to all of us and i'm feeling like a new lawyer or young lawyer with this whole daily lawyer thing because it's so out of my comfort zone and so different for me so uh, i felt like you directly spoke to me with that answer uh, and you know it's so funny everyone who's come on the podcast and everyone i've asked this question to the uh, the two two things that all of them have said when when i asked them about tips or life lessons is the first thing is about patience like have patience you you know you're not going to get everything overnight and the second thing is about constantly working hard because uh, i do think that the the generation who's coming out now uh, are uh, they they don't put in that many hours or then they put in that many hours for very short amount of time and then they want to you know they want things faster and easier then possibly what we wanted and we are not that much older to them but still uh, at least that's been my experience when i see uh, interns or i see younger people who come to me to uh, do like work they work for two months three months and then they're like no no we want something different we want to change so uh, from that context i really liked your answer and finally the best advice that you have ever received um I think that would be that you should give it no matter what it is that you're doing it you should give it your 100% um and I see this because uh, what tends to happen is that we uh, as uh, professionals tend to prioritize you know bigger matters or a bigger assignment over something not as big as the the other assignment but it's very important to equally uh do i mean give 100% to anything that you're doing and that specially goes for you know younger lawyers because you will get to doing the bigger assignments you will get to those bigger matters but it's very important to start with the smaller things and give it 100% it's only then will you reach those bigger matters or those bigger assignments so give everything that you do even if it's making a list of dates or preparing an index give it your 100% very true lovely advice i really appreciate shreya how you tried to keep all of the answers within the realm of law it's not it was not necessary but i really appreciate it because then you make it really relevant to the audience hopefully who's going to listen to this episode on whichever podcasting platform so thank you so much for coming and for giving your time so generously today thank you today. for having me and um... It has been a wonderful conversation. I hope uh, uh, whoever listens to the podcast uh, enjoys, and there is some valuable guidance that I have been able to provide right here. I'm and, sure. Uh, I'm sure because you spoke about so many things which are practical to not just young lawyers or law students, but for all of us. Like I told you about that consistency thing that you told. that was literally spoke directly to me so thanks dear thank you so much i'll see you soon